what I called the civic virtue of private home education. The civic virtue as a civic organization means private people coming together and carrying out the business of civic involvement. We don't need to wait for the government. We don't need to look to the government. We're citizens and we're active and involved and we should take it on ourselves to make our country better. This podcast is brought to you by BJU Press Homeschool. Homeschooling is an exciting adventure we take with our children. One of the most challenging parts of this journey is choosing the curriculum you want to use. BJU Press Homeschool is a curriculum you can trust. All the books, resources, and videos have been designed with you and your child in mind. Their curriculum is educationally robust and rich, taking into account that children have different learning styles, strengths, and needs. Mom, you are in charge. BJU Press Homeschool is here to come alongside and support you. Do you need help with the teaching load, or is there a subject you just don't want to teach? Their amazing video courses are available for all grades in almost every subject. BJU Press Homeschool believes that homeschooling can produce a new generation of students who know God, love their neighbors, and stand firm in their faith. For more information, go to BJUPressHomeschool.com. That's BJUPressHomeschool.com. Hi, welcome to the Zan Tyler Podcast. I'm your host, Zan Tyler. This is part two of my conversation with Jim Mason, the president of Homeschool Legal Defense Association. So if you missed part one, be sure to go back and listen to it or watch it on YouTube. Without further ado, please enjoy the rest of my conversation with Jim. So, um, Jim, I love the fact that you are such a great writer. And some of your articles, I mean, I quote from when I speak and they resonate in my head. So... One is, okay, so I was looking for this the other day because I wanted to use it and I wanted to make sure I got it right. You said that homeschooling is an island of freedom in a sea of compulsion. Did I get that right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, the second one is you call it a love your kids movement. Heidi St. John and I were talking about that yesterday about how much we love that concept. It just puts homeschooling in such a great light. And um, then the third one, and this is where I want to park for a minute, your article, the civic, the civic virtue of private homeschooling, um, is if you're listening, you should go to the HSLDA website and try to find this article. It is one of the best articles I have ever written. So, will you take just a minute and tell us about De Tocqueville's visit to America and what he saw, and sort of the genesis of private associations in in the United States and how important that is? Yeah. So Alexis de Tocqueville was a Frenchman who toured the United States in the early 19th century and went back and wrote a book, Democracy in America. And one of the most uh, interesting, long-standing, still-existing observations that he made was that the culture in America had had created um, the civic involvement of its citizens that was unique in his experience, different from anything he'd seen in Europe. Um, and he... He talked about how um, in England, if you wanted to get something done, you had to get a great lord behind it. And in France, if you wanted to get something done, you had to get the government behind it. But in America, people just did it themselves. You know, they didn't wait for anybody. They just they had a great idea and they talked to their friends and neighbors and then they'd create what he called associations. And he was just amazed 
that any, uh, in America, any task, big or small, that um, people could conceive of, they'd create an association of private citizens and, and, and pursue those ends. And so that's, that's kind of woven into the fabric of the American um, culture and the American character that we, uh, you know, we, we should be careful that we don't lose. Instead of looking to government to solve our problems, we can rely on each other to do a lot of things, and we should. You, you know, one of the things you say in this other article I've been reading that you wrote is is that one of the things HSLDA does, in addition to helping homeschool moms and dads who are in distress now and protecting, you know, just the individual homeschool mom and dad, which is the basis of everything, but you also support state organizations uh, in their quest to fight for freedom and support homeschooling parents. Yeah, so I, um, in the article you referred to, I, I went to a um, one of the leadership conferences that was put on by a state organization where I live here in Virginia, and I, w- I was I was speaking at the conference. But what 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 was most uh, in- interesting to me at this conference was that um, you know Ann Miller, who's the head of HAB in Virginia, had put on this leadership conference, and here's all these people, you know, seventy five, hundred people on their weekends devoting their you know, their personal time to learning how to run a small homeschool organization better. And they, um, you know, they're just so uh, vibrant and active and cheerful. And they were leading different kinds of organizations. You know, there's there's people who focus on providing support for parents. There are people who focus on providing cooperative classes for kids. There's people who focus on creating a sports league. Or, you know, if somebody has an interest in beekeeping, they actually, you know, they'll form a homeschool group to advance uh, teaching kids beekeeping and stuff, it, you you name it, they they would create it. Right. And so this, um, you know, this culture of private associations finds you know it's uh, they're small and they're big. And so in each almost every state, there is a state organization that kind of sprung up. A lot of them about the same time that HSLDA was created, with a very local mission to keep homeschooling free in in their own states and they um, you know educate and train and help homeschoolers in their states and the most you know one of the most important things they do from my perspective from a national perspective is they keep their pulse on the legislature they track the legislature they have relationships with legislators they um, you know and those relationships are so important too you know, the the judicial and the legal aspect that y'all take care of is vital. And homeschoolers having relationships within their own state with their own legislators is so important. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but no, amen no. to what you were saying. It's different than what some people think, too. It's bigger than what many people think. You know, some people, you may think that, well, there's a, a bill that's introduced that is going to create some new barrier to homeschooling. And so that's when they, they go into action. And that's true. They do. Uh, but what they do more, more importantly, in my view, or as importantly anyway, is, you know, all the time, every year, many states hold uh, special events where families come to the Capitol and go out and meet their representatives, not to ask them for anything, but just to say, hey, I live in your district and I, I homeschool and I just want you to know, you know, this is where we are and what we what we believe in and give them a little information, meet the kids, you know, probably the the single most effective uh, lobbyist in America is, you know, 10 years old. 
kids. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so that's what state organizations and local organizations, uh, you know, they're so important. It's 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 the community. It's the um, what I call the civic virtue of private home education. The civic virtue, what De Tocqueville talked about as 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 a civic organization, means private people coming together and carrying out the business of civic involvement. We don't need to wait for the government. We don't need to look to the government. We're we're citizens and we're uh, active and involved and we should take it on ourselves to make our country better through our right. own I little mean, thing. It is we the people and we need to remember as homeschoolers, it is we the people and y'all are defending us in the Constitution because it's we the people who are supposed to have the power in this country. And organizations all over the country, like you say, whether they're 10 members and they're learning about beekeeping or or state organizations like ours that monitor um, legislation, it's really powerful. And it sets us apart, I think, from anybody else in the world. And and we need we need to keep building that. And we need to not let the government take control of our homeschooling through money or any other way. Amen, sister. (laughs) 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 So, so reading your stuff always gets me really fired up. It's good for my um, internal passions and commitments. (laughs) So, Jim, before we close, there's one more thing I want to talk about. We have the educational elite in the country that would like to outlaw homeschooling. So briefly tell us what happened with Harvard uh, a year or so ago and then and HSLDA's response to that. Well, so it was actually, the you said earlier, time flies. Time does fly. It was actually 2020. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it does fly. <laughs> so I remember this vividly, and I'll, I'll take a moment to tell you how it came about for me. I... um. So I flew out to Sacramento to speak at the uh, homeschooling organization out there, their Capital Day in late February. And I was starting to hear about this thing called coronavirus, right? Um, and <laughs> I came back late for, uh, late February and then I went to uh, Missouri, Jefferson City and spoke at their capital day. And in the airport, people were starting to be more alarmed about this thing called coronavirus. And I was like, oh no. And then I went to Austin from uh, to Jefferson City to uh, participate in the moot court for a Supreme Court case that was gone to the Texas Supreme Court. And people were talking about it even more. And I'm flying back to Virginia and it's like, oh my goodness. And through the airports and there's just this big alarm. And then suddenly they canceled the NHL and the whole world shut down. I mean, just it just seemed to me like it happened that fast, right? And uh, so we we went to remote work um, for a little bit. I think it was during the uh, Mike Pence fifteen days to bend the curve or whatever that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I was at home, and it was I think a Friday night, and I'm going upstairs to go to bed, and my daughter, my youngest daughter, who was still being homeschooled at the time. Uh, meets me at the top of the stairs and thrusts her iPhone into my face and says, Dad, have you seen this? You won't even believe it. Can you even believe this? So what had happened was Elizabeth Barthelet. So is that Abby the firecracker that showed that to you? Yes, Abby the firecracker. Okay. Yeah, Abby Abby is my my youngest. Um, 
she was born pretty sure she was in charge of the world. One of the uh, one of the family jokes is that uh, when she turned eight years old, Debbie was grateful that she finally had a child who could babysit all the others. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so Abby shows me this, and what had happened is, so Elizabeth Bartlett had written in this law review article that I had known about for months because it was published in draft form in, you know, hard-to-find places that, you know, lawyers look at, but nobody else did. And, but, but Harvard University Crimson Magazine had profiled uh, Elizabeth Bartlett's opposition to homeschooling and her article in a very accessible, not law review fashion in, in a typical profile. And it, the Harvard Magazine article went viral at the same time as coronavirus went viral. So, so here, this is the, this is the, the real irony of it. Um, her article became popular in, in which she proposes to, uh, a presumptive ban on homeschooling, which she called a presumptive ban, which meant that all but a tiny handful of people, uh, would be prohibited from homeschooling just at the same time that everybody in the world had started homeschooling because the school shut down. <laughs> I mean, you know, they had their, I already had their kids at home and homeschooling was a thing that was, people were thinking about. Well, anyway, so she made a lot of really, I mean, I, I, I think she sort of advances the, uh, the tropes that homeschoolers have had to deal with for all these years. You know, this, the, the kind of stigmatizing language about homeschoolers being backward clods and, um, you know, not trustworthy and, and, um, and, and, and then she arrives at suggesting that only those people with very specific reasons like, you know, actors or athletes that need to not attend public schools, everybody else should, should attend public schools. And that's okay because, you know, parents uh, will still have two or three hours in the night to train them in their religions and stuff like that because, in, in, and so in her view, uh, homeschooling should be banned. Well, we were, you know, obviously in disagreement with her and um, we decided to write a series of essays that uh, address different, uh, you know, different angles of her arguments um, from our attorneys and others. Um, we, we, I think we ended up with 17 different essays. We were releasing them kind of once, one every week. Um, and I, I, uh, I was, so uh, one of our family members has a house uh, on the Outer Banks in uh, North Carolina. And since we were all working remote anyway, we, my family decamped to the outer banks and the house. So this was in May, I think. So shortly after the world shut down, the house was supposed to have good Wi-Fi, So I could, I was thinking I just worked from, you know, from the right, house. Right. And, um, not in um, the outer bank. <laughs> yeah. So then no, no good Wi-Fi. So we were, the house was actually on the northern part of the Outer Banks where there's no road and you have to drive on the beach. Right, right. With a four-wheel four drive. So I was driving from the house into Kerala to a coffee shop that, that still had, you know, it was still open and had uh, had Wi-Fi editing all these essays. <laughs> so guys were emailing, what a, what a crazy world, what a, what a marvelous world we live in today because I could take my family to the Outer Banks during the midst of this uh, coronavirus uh, crisis. They, they were, um, you know, and, but, but I could still work in the, you know, in, under the umbrella outside of the, the Outer Banks coffee shop with their Wi-Fi 
editing these essays. And it was a great, it was a great deal of fun for us to do because each of our lawyers, uh, many of them were homeschooled themselves. And so I think, you know, one of the early essays that came out was from Dan Beasley, who, um, you know, he's he's since left HSLDA to become a pastor at his church. He right. went into the but he ministry. was our South Carolina attorney he was for a South, while. Yeah. I loved Dan. Yeah, just a just an outstanding young man who grew up homeschooled his whole life, and and you know, um, his article was just you know a great a great article, a great deal of fun for me to edit, and uh, and then in the course of the next few weeks, we put out these uh, these these essays from uh, each of our attorneys, giving their own perspective on why, you know, Professor Bartlett was just so wrong um, about homeschooling in general. And so that then we kind of assembled in a book and you can get it at our website at hslda.org. Yeah, I was going to tell you, <laughs> I, I, it, it is on my short reading list. I still have not read that. I've got to read that. So so tell me how I can order it and tell everybody out there um, how they can order it. And they don't have to read all 17 essays, but just reading one will help understand will help people understand the necessary I mean why we need to understand freedom issues yeah so um you know I think you just go to hslda.org and go to our store and it's available there and I believe I probably shouldn't do this in the in the spirit of shameless commerce um I think you can actually just google them and because we were posting them on our website so you don't actually have to buy the nicely designed book, you can just go to our website and uh, and find each of the individual essays. But if you order them, you'll have a very nice, attractive book to put on your shelf as well. And what is the name of the book again? Um, hmm, I didn't bring it with me. It's Homeschool Freedom and Why Homes- It Matters. Yeah, I think that's it. And I'll, we'll have it in our show notes today so people can go to my website and find it if they want to do that. Um, so one other thing I want to talk about and you mentioned this in this article, in your article. I think it's so dangerous. Um, I can't remember whether it was Robert Reich. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right or which of the educational elite it was. They've pro- they've proposed multiple ways that families could prove their curriculum aligns with the empire's values and beliefs. And you, by empire, you meant educational elite. And so I think one of the hills we have to be willing to die on as homeschoolers is the freedom to use any curriculum we want to. I mean, the first public hearing in South Carolina, um, it was on regulations promulgated by the State Department of Education that would require homeschoolers to have a, a college degree from an accredited university, which led out Harvard and Bob Jones University, and and then um, only use state-approved text. So we couldn't use any Christian curriculum, according mm-hmm. to this. And and part of the danger that one of the things, let me, this is just a side note, that y'all do such a good job of protecting us from is all these state agencies that can promulgate regulations that become legislation if they sit in a state registry for, for long enough, and nobody even knows it's coming. And and so unless, I mean, the Lord just brought that to my attention through a neighbor who hated homeschooling and knocked on my door one night at 11 o'clock and said, Zan, you know I hate homeschooling, but I love you. And so here's what the State Department of Education is trying to do under the cover of night. So nobody okay. knows it happens until it becomes legislation. So so that that was all for free. But we got to be careful. And, and what do we do, Jim, to continue fighting 
this pressure to conform to the culture through our curriculum. I mean, to me, that's so egregious. Yeah, well, so there's there's um, so many different levels of government involved in so many different ways. And so that's what we try to do is, is be a watchdog and monitor um, both legislation and administrative regulations. Um, yeah, the battle over what we teach our children and how we go about teaching our children is kind of what it is all about. Yes. The, uh, you know, you mentioned administrative regulation. So we, we monitor, you know, we, we do a significant amount of, um, uh, work monitoring regulations because, uh, most, you know, people don't think about this a lot, a state legislature in the federal government to Congress has delegated so much authority to, you know, so much of their legislative authority in, in a way that I believe is, you know, dangerous to administrative agencies, administrative agencies. That aren't elected. They're not right, elected. They're, in, yeah. in, in many cases, they're not. And they're, they're, they're executive branch officials who are supposed to be carrying out the legislature's laws, but the legislatures have delegated so much authority to them to adopt regulations. And the regulations often are more egregious and more controlling than the um, you know, than, than what the legislature would have been able to pass because they, they couldn't get elected or reelected if they were going to do that. But the right, unelected bureaucracy, right. bureaucracy in the executive branch, you know, promulgates regulations that they're a little harder to fight and they're a little more difficult to, uh, to come against. So we monitor those as well. Yeah. Well, that is so powerful. I tell you, I just, I cannot imagine homeschooling without Homeschool Legal Defense Association. Well, I can because I did it for three years and had the legal bills to prove it. But um, before I knew about HSLDA, but just the the work to establish homeschool freedom along with state leaders and always it, it, all these 1,400 superintendents you had to deal with last year in contacts or however many school districts and and putting out the little fires before they become forest fires i'm not sure we all appreciate the daily grind y'all go through in protecting homeschool freedom i just want to say thank you i I want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart it's Um, really our pleasure you know we are homeschoolers too um our our it's very important to me that all of our legal team has uh, a really strong connection to homeschooling um over half of our lawyers, I think, right at half, were homeschooled themselves, and everyone else it, homeschooled their children. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that's so amazing. So, so we we don't, you know, this isn't just a job for us, and it's not just our profession, which we try to pursue with excellence, obviously, but it is our passion, it's our vocation, it's our calling. We want to serve and protect the homeschooling movement and community any way we can. Well, Jim, tell I'll tell people before we close. Um, tell them how they can get in touch with you or HSLDA um, about your podcast and and how to get in touch with HSLDA if they need help or just want to support the homeschool world. Well, the biggest, uh, the easiest way is just to go to our, our homepage at hslda.org. Um, and if you're not a member, but you want to start receiving our materials, you can sign up to get our weekly update by giving us your email address, um, the podcast's are announced each time they go out via email, and then they're posted also on our website and Facebook and Instagram and all those other things that people do things on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, think, good. Think, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, 
Thank you so much for being here with me today. Please give Debbie my love. She's one of my favorite people. I admire her a lot. And, uh, and um, thank, thank you for being here, Jim. Congratulations on your uh, new role as president, and we're all praying for you. Well, thank you, Zan, and um, give uh, Joe my best wishes on today as we film this or edit. What do we do? We video this. Um, it's his birthday. Yeah. How did you know that? <laughs> the, you know, the, the dark secrets uh, of, of birthdays of old people like us just can't be hidden forever. <laughs> That's amazing. He says on his birthday, Lincoln was assassinated and the Titanic sunk. And oh, taxes well. are due the next day. So so he'll appreciate some happy birthday. <laughs> so, well, thank you. Thank you. It's been my pleasure, Zan, as always. Thank you for joining Jim and me today. I hope this was fun and encouraging for you on your homeschooling journey. Be sure to check out zantyler.com for show notes, details, and links mentioned in today's episode. Until next time, bye. <laughs>